Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. All right. Hey. Not gonna say it. Um, but I'll, I will try again. Hey. I hope that everyone is doing fine this morning, um, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, there were several of you that I didn't don't recognize. It could be from masks, um, or it could. I've gotten emails. People are like, "Hey, we've been coming for like six months on online," and I'm like, "Well, that's cool." Uh, and then I ask, "Why?" Um, but I'm glad. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, my wife tells me whenever somebody would ride down the Katy Trail, uh, and they said, "You know, we saw a sign in the church, and we thought we would come." And I would say, "Why?" Would you come inside this ugly old warehouse to get your spiritual goods and services met? And my wife was like, honey, you shouldn't say that to people. Um, so, yeah, uh, I know. Um, but uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, I'm glad I'm here. And uh, this is my standard Easter attire. I will give you my standard Easter joke. I wear ties for weddings, funerals, and resurrections. And uh, so... Uh, this morning we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and we'll say one more time, Jesus is risen, is risen indeed. Now, you may sit there and go, okay, wait a minute, wait, I have a question. Is it Jesus is risen, or is it Jesus has risen? And let me tell you, the answer to that is yes. It is both. Jesus has risen. It is a historical, a historical, and historical. Either one? I'm just free on that one. It is historical. It took place in time and history. It is documented. Uh, if you take history seriously in any capacity, you cannot undo or disprove the resurrection of Jesus, the physical resurrection of Jesus. So yes, Jesus has risen. And yet, from that, we can also say Jesus is risen because death has been defeated. I don't know, like UCLA. Anybody? Yes. All right. This, oh, it's painful, but it's beautiful. They got Tyus Edney. I loved it. Zoo fans? Nobody? All right. This, none of this is in my sermon. Oh, we should probably get to that because we got started late. Let me read. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. We're actually, uh, we're not completing, but we're going to bring to a glorious resolution and new beginning uh, the sermon series that we've been in called Fire as the Curse is Found, where we wrap up uh, really the fullness of the Hebrew scriptures and what they were, what this has all existed for as we move into this new and glorious reality. So let me read for, uh, for you from Hebrews chapter 10, um, verses 11. way opened for us through the curtain 
that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Am I going, I'm, in, I'm going 11 through 18. Sorry, I started in 19. I started in the therefore. I'll actually get to that part here in a second. 11 through 18. My bad. All right, let's do that. Chapter 10, verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. At the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is the word of the Lord, and you can respond by saying, thanks be to God. Okay, I don't ever use props, so this morning I have one, uh, and everybody's probably too far away. It's not even centered on the page. Does everybody know what this is? Can you see that? you see it? Yeah. All right. What, what is this? Asterisk. <laughs> Asterisk. It's tricky, but there is that extra. These are everywhere. Anything you want to purchase, anything you want to try, anything you want, every like get rich quick, heal all, whatever, you will see an asterisk. Asterisk. Uh, and they're everywhere. Um, where you can have this in, this wonderful product for the low price of fill in the blank. Or you can get this for three easy payments and one really complicated payment. Or this drug that will get rid of, this medication that will get rid of all of your problems and will totally heal you. And then there's this fine print, warning, here are the grossest side effects you could possibly imagine in your life that might occur. Right? We... We are, our culture, our society is filled with asterisks. What we see here in the book of Hebrews, Jesus offered once for all time a single sacrifice for sins. And in our world, we, you might be tempted to think, yeah, but does he know how bad my sin is? Where's the fine print here? Does he know what I've done? Does he know what I think? Does he know the level of my shame? Or, or, you may feel that way that crushes you. We're going to get everything in their brother flying overhead today, I'm convinced, but it's okay. Um, or you may feel that weight like crushing you, and then in the next breath turn around and say to somebody else, I can't believe they think they're a Christian. Don't they know what they're doing? Don't they know how sinful they are? We are complex beings that are incredibly blind 
to ourselves. We look for the fine print. Um, if you have not been here for the last several months, we've been looking through this overall picture in the Old Testament. We've taken a broad look at the Hebrew Scriptures and the grand story that they've told. And we've seen a God who forms and fashions a people. And even though this people rebels against him, he, he re-enters the story. Genesis 3 is the most hopeful ver uh, chapter in all of Scripture. God does not leave us to just rot in destruction. He comes back to the garden. And he makes covenants with his people. The apex of this covenant is in the Ten Commandments, where God fully reveals who he is. This is me, and then we're going to make a disagreement on how we're going to live together. And, and God has the right, because I'm the one who saved you, because you, are you would be destroyed without me, I get to set the rules. And it's not like this oppressive rule. God says, this is who I am, this is the way I designed you and the world to work. And so this is going to be our agreement. You are my treasured possession, and I will be faithful to you, I will protect you, I will be with you. And this is how you live in response to me. You love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then this is how you love your neighbor as yourself. This is how life is designed to work. And every time God's people broke this agreement, uh, this agreement of life together, this law, it would cost something. Forgiveness is costly. It costs something. If somebody owes you $20, and you go, listen, you know what? I forgive you, just keep the $20. How much did it cost you? $20. Forgiveness costs something. And every time God's people would break this covenant, this agreement, priests would have to go. They had orders of what to do. They would have to go, and they would have to make sacrifices on behalf of the people. And listen, <laughs> these people were good at sinning. They were good at breaking the law of the covenant. First two covenants, the first two laws in the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before me, and don't make any idols, and bow down, it, like even saying that these are me, carved images and bow down and worship them. And literally, before Moses gets back down the mountain, almost before God gets the words out of his mouth, and you think, okay, having, fall, having other gods before you, I get that, I can see the implications here. But like, don't make any false gods. I think I can handle that. Before Moses gets down the mountain, they've taken off their jewelry and they're making a false god. And bowing down and worshiping. Lunch, uh, the, the lunch bell went off and I was probably 20 feet away from my station. Um, so like maybe 30 seconds behind. And my supervisor came up and talked to me. And he said, you need to be at your station when that bell rings, ready to go. And I'm like, five screws into a thing. And he's like, you need to be there because it affects everything, right? Over and over and over again. This is not quite the picture that the priests had to do, but basically every day they were making sacrifices because the people would break the covenant. And they would mess up over and over and over again. And really what we see all throughout, the old, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, and we still see today, is the creation story being reenacted over and over and over and over and over again. God gives a command. God blesses. Gives a command uh, to a human. Man then messes it up, rebels, does their own thing. God has to rescue them. 
God rebukes them, God redeems them, recommissions with a new command, and then we start all over again. And this is what happens over and over again in uh, throughout the Old Testament. And priests every day had to make sacrifice, sacrifices for the sins of man. And once a year, they would make uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they would make a large sacrifice. The priest would go before God into the Holy Temple, the Holy of Holies, and make a sacrifice on behalf of the nation. And the rest of the nation, the rest of the people would, would rest, uh, and they would fast, and it was actually a day of great anxiety, wondering if the sacrifice would be accepted, if their sins would be forgiven. Verses 3 and 4, earlier in this chapter, in chapter 10, uh, the author tells us that this had to be the way. This was the reminder every year of the depth of their sins, but also that it was impossible for goats and bulls, the sacrifices that they would make, it's impossible for them to take away sins of humans, the sins of man. But when we get back to verse if you're if you're a laborer, if you're a contractor, if you're a, I mean, your work is standing up, or if you have a stand-up desk, that doesn't count. Like, I do this, but I stand. All right? Uh, when you finish your labor, and certainly I couldn't do, they wouldn't let me do five screws into a thing sitting down. I had to stand up, so I'm counting. All right? When you are done with that labor, to rest, to mark it as complete, you sit. Right? You kick back. Jesus has completed his work. And when it was done, he sat down. The work was done. So here's what I'm, I want to tell you on Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to tell you one thing of what that doesn't mean very quickly, and then three things of what that does mean. Okay? Everybody cool? Does anybody get sunburned? All right. Okay. One thing that it doesn't mean, three things that it does mean. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you will not ever struggle again. The resurrection. Uh, that Christ's work is completed, but the work in us is still going on. We are not complete yet. And our fight and our work toward completeness is struggling actually not to finish this work, but to believe that it is complete in us. And to walk in trust, trust and rest. Uh, and we live in a world uh, that this is also a struggle, at least. We walk among fellow strugglers, resistors, deniers. He is risen indeed. Now, this is huge. Because the only hope that we have, and Paul even says this, the only hope that we have, in, that we have been forgiven, is the resurrection of Jesus. Paul, and, and this is not like, this is, there was a, there was a, 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 a tweet the other day from a, a scientist, a well-known humanist scientist that said, this is just your annual reminder um, that dead people don't come back to life. Because she's a scientist. Now, let me assure you, every single person that walked to that grave 2,000 years ago believed the exact same thing. This is not a scientific revolution. Everybody believed that dead people don't come back from the dead. And yet, here we are. We don't need a philosopher, we don't need a scientist to tell us dead people come back, don't come back from the dead. In fact, the Bible itself says, if that's not true, if, if, if the resurrection didn't happen, this is a waste of time. I'm glad you're here, and it's a beautiful morning, and like, there are lots of other things to
He does not save you. Your hope is not in Christianity. Your hope is in a risen Jesus. Amen. I have, if, if any of you here have ever wrestled with, does God exist? Does God hear me? like, well, that's good. Yeah? And so I appeal to scripture for that. Um, and I try to hold these things very humbly. But there's one thing that steadies my faith every single time. Historically, philosophically, existentially, Christ has risen from the grave. It is, it is almost impossible to, to argue around that. Christianity is nonsense and it's a waste of time if this didn't happen. But it did. There's a lot of different reasons I could give you. There's a lot of different arguments out there. There's a lot of things. Um, the, the Bible records that women were the first ones to give testimony and women's testimony that wasn't allowed in court. Uh, the Bible creates the disciples as a really a bunch of bumbling idiots. And if you're going to go back and rewrite this as the church, some people say, well, the church went and rewrote the Bible to make it to make it uh, them have power. If you've ever read, read that and read about the first pope, which would be Peter, I mean, he's kind of an idiot in the Bible, and you that's not the way to do that. But here it is. Uh, there are two books that I can give you if, if you're at all interested. Uh, N.T. Wright, Resurrection of the Son of God, which is, he spends the first 450 pages debunking all of the false um, pro, uh, uh, accusations about the resurrection uh, and then the last 300 pages on what the resurrection means. Uh, there's another one, Richard Baucom, and uh, which is called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, which pretty much puts to, puts to rest any valid historical critique. Jesus rose from the grave. Um, the very fact that Christianity exists uh, is, is a testimony that Jesus has risen from the grave. But here's my favorite one. Uh, Tim Keller would always say, you can put together two lists in history. Okay? On one list, if you put together the most influential people in all of history, okay, if you put together a top ten list, surely Jesus makes the top ten for any serious historian. More than likely, Jesus makes the top five, if not the top of every list, as the most influential person in history. Can we say that? Anyone want to like seriously argue? Okay. Over here, you can make another list of people who proclaim, who claim to be messiahs, claim to be. Uh, a, now, a smart religious leader would say, "This is the way. Follow this way." Jesus said, "I am the way," so he's got a lot to prove. You can make a list of, of people who were messiahs. When I was uh, when I was in seminary, I bought a bunch of books on that would that were supposedly debunking the Christian myth, and one of the one of the ones uh, the. 
the greatest story ever sold. I was like, that's clever. Uh, but one of the main critiques in that book was, there's lots of Messiah stories, Jesus isn't new. And there's Messiah stories. And you know how many of those I'd heard of? Zero. There's one Egyptian guy that I'd heard before. Their argument was, Jesus stole all these lines, they, they, they stole these narratives from other people. So why do we remember him? What happens if you claim to be a Messiah and then you die? The movement's a fraud. It's over. You're, the, the, the movement disperses. The followers go, okay, well, I guess that wasn't legit. Usually don't make it to the list of most influential people in history. Jesus physically rose from the dead. Second, uh, his work is complete. Jesus does not have to sacrifice over and over and over again like the other priests. His work is done and he sat down. And here's what that means, that he sat down. It means that his work is complete. He does not have to die again and again. He has conquered death. His sacrifice and work of forgiveness is complete. However, his work on you and me, for that to come into full fruition, is still ongoing. It is raising us from the dead and teaching us how to walk with new shoes, new legs, new life, new eyes to see. The resurrection of Jesus is still worked by the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. On good days and on bad days. On days where you feel confident and on days where you blow it. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. If your hope is in Jesus, making you more like him. And it takes a lifetime. The working out of the resurrection in you is going to take the rest of your life. It doesn't mean you won't hurt anymore. You won't mess up anymore. We're learning to walk with new legs. We're learning to trust with a new mind. We're learning to submit with a new will. We're learning to love with a new heart. Um, I had a friend whose mom was diagnosed recently with bone cancer. And I may need a doctor to help me out because he tried to explain this to me. And I don't remember the terminology. But basically what they did was they reset her something. Like her cells. They were able to like reprogram her body. Like, a, like taking your phone or your computer back to factory settings. And they were able to do that. And it's mind blown. Now here's what that did. It totally rebooted all of the cells that were causing cancer in her. But it also wiped out all the other stuff. So she has to build her immune system all over again. All of the vaccinations that she had 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 been undone, and so she would have to go back through and rebuild all of her vaccinations. I'm going to get the technical name for this. I don't want to post it. He was explaining it to me, and I was blown away. Here's the deal. In Christ, when we join God in, in his work, he re is rebuilding all of our identity. The things that we are tempted to find our identity in, he has destroyed and has put to death. And now we're building up. He's removed the death cells from our body, and now they are rebuilding. And so our identity that has long been in what other people thought about us, that was in how acceptable we were when we behaved the right way and didn't behave the right way, 
our identity that was built in how we compared to other people, how successful we were, or uh, how much money we made, or how much better we were than others, or how much worse we were than others. Our identity that was built in shame. He's remaking all of that. To rebuild an identity in a risen and resurrected Jesus. That what Jesus thinks about you is most important. Not that you don't care at all what other people think anymore, but that you begin to care properly about what other people think. The worst thing that we can do, I think, at times, and sometimes we market it, market it this way about Jesus, is you say, you trust in Jesus, and that's it. It's done. You get to sit down. And like, and and uh, and you're in. And now just do what you want. That's not the way it works. The resurrection kind of infects you. It gnaws at you. It disturbs you. It bugs you because you're no longer this person. You're now a new creation. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, man, I've trusted in Jesus and I did that, and some things are good, but some things, it's almost like they're even harder than they were before. And I see things that I didn't see before. And there's some areas of life that I feel like it's even more painful. And but it is turning you from death to life. It is, Jesus is remaking you. And that's going to be hard. There's and pains. And so if that's you this morning, don't let that discourage you. If anything, let that be a sign of God's work in you. If you're here and you have times of struggle in your faith or your feelings or working things out or struggling in all the areas we've talked about, the good news is that Jesus is sitting down. His work is done. And the struggle in us is to actually believe that all the more. <laughs> I was going to let that work for a second. Um, the singles blues won the Stanley Cup. Does everybody remember that? Yeah. That's funny. Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. Blues won the Stanley Cup. Woo! All right, hear me out, though. I don't know if you remember that, but it was amazing. We, we were champions of the world, and it was so incredible. It was so incredible, in fact, the world almost ended. The Blues winning the Stanley Cup almost took us out. That's, that's what had to be given up for that to happen. But it didn't quite. And last year they decided they would play us and rest. Because it's done. It's done. The league, his victory ended the league. If you were a Blues fan during that time, um, and, and you know this, if you're a Blues fan and you're watching all the playoff games, how many games did you say? How many puck bounces? How many, you were like, that's it, that's going to be the one. That's, gonna, that's what's going to blow us. That's what's going to finish us off. Uh, how many hand passes? How many bad penalties? And you're just waiting for it to fall, right? That's what true Blues fans did. I want to tell you this. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is not the fear that we live with in God's kingdom. We have been sold a bag of goods, so many fearful things. If this happens, you know what's going to happen to the next generation of the church? If you don't take care of this right now, you know what's going to happen to God's kingdom? Let me tell you, nothing. God's kingdom, yeah, God's kingdom will not fail. 
It's not built on a man-made kingdom. We don't orient our lives about the fear of the next generation and the fear of what may happen. We look and we can say, despite how bad it may get, and yes, 2020 put that to the test, despite how bad it get, nothing will take down God's kingdom. We are not controlled by fear. The resurrection is not something for us to defend. It is something for us to proclaim in word and in deed. We don't have to win the world for Jesus. He's already done that when he walked out of the grave. His work is complete, and we bear witness to that. Uh, John Stott, who... Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... By the new and living way that he opened us, uh, opened up to us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For the humble, for the broken, for the outsider, for the one who has found their hope in Christ, night will give way to day. The darkness will give way to light. The resurrection is our assurance. Where, O oh death, is your victory? We can have a confidence before God. In Christ, you don't have to impress God. You don't have to impress me. You don't have to impress other people here. It's not left up to us to earn acceptance. It's not left up to us to win the world. There is nothing left for you to accomplish but simply to become more of who God has created you to be. Learning how to love and forgive as we have been loved and forgiven. Learning how to show compassion and mercy as it has been shown to us. Learning how to operate out of trust rather than guilt and shame. Follower of Jesus, the end is secure. One day, you will be whole. One day, you will be made complete. One day, there will be no more crying, nor pain. The broken things of the earth will pass away. This can both help you put, help get you to sleep at night, and wake you up in the morning. This is freedom. This is, sorry for another sports analogy, this is standing at the free throw line, no time left on the clock, up by 20. Pressure is off. The victory has been sealed. And yet we are compelled by grace and mercy not to remain who we have been who we have been, to actually become who we were made to be. 
Christ is raised from the dead, if the future for those, not, not for those who just mark Christian on a census, but for those whose hope is in Christ, the future is secure. And we are learning now how to walk in a kingdom that we now. And so that means what you do now actually matters. Somehow it will survive into this next kingdom. And so your assignment for this week, if you're new to Refuge, we give an assignment every week. Well, I try to. Sometimes I don't. But your assignment for this week, follower of Jesus, is to begin to see every even small, seemingly insignificant act as if it will survive into this coming kingdom. Um, we've, I love planting stuff. I've shared this story before, um, and, and I have the same reaction. My daughter, when she was in preschool, she brought the seed home from preschool. And you guys remember when they would give you a little bean sprout, and they'd put it in a wet napkin, and then send it home? Anybody else have that? Is it just me? Okay. And she was so excited to plant this bean sprout in the ground. And I was excited with her. And so it, it took me a couple days, but finally we got this, we got a pot and we put nice soil in it and we put the bean, the bean sprout into the dirt. And the look of disappointment on her face was amazing. Where is it? I planted trees in our backyard last year and it... As if to say You have dignity and worth and value and you matter. Regardless of whatever else has happened in your life. Every time you want to respond with vengeance and, and then you slow down and respond with grace. Every temptation that you resist. And then every temptation that you give into and feel compelled by God's grace to ask for forgiveness and grace and mercy. Somehow all it 
is, that means what matters isn't just these things that we neatly classify as spiritual. The natural is not just a temporary environment. It's part of our future inheritance in Christ. The underemployed hotel maids we walk past silently in the hallway are not just potential objects of our charity, they are potential queens of the cosmos. Our jobs, whatever they might be, are not accidental. The things we do to serve in our local churches and communities aren't random. How do we put in charge of great things? Follower of Jesus, the historical resurrection, physical resurrection of Jesus, changes everything. So let us labor faithfully, humbly, joyfully, and confidently in the knowledge that Christ has risen and, in risen, and is risen. And we can raise our glasses high one day at the Feast of All Feasts with Jesus at the head of the table, his feet propped up on the enemies. We raise our glasses high and rejoice to the King. Let's pray. Jesus, may you make new in us the hope of the resurrection. May we labor faithfully. We have confidence that your work is complete and that one day we will we have a, a certain promise that the Holy Spirit who began the good work in us is faithful to complete it. Um, and so on the days that we feel like we're nailing it, give us humility and joy in where our hope lies. And on the days that we are filled and crushed with shame and we feel like we've messed it up beyond recognition, let be the lifter of our heads to remind us that our hope is not in our accomplishments, but in yours. Thank you that you have risen from the grave. May we celebrate a crazy, joyous, raucous celebration that we are the people of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.